I can tell you of a story of, of a girl, okay, that five grown big guys could not hold down, okay, yet one little uh, evangelist could command the spirits, and they were afraid of her because of her authority in Jesus, but the big tough guys, you know, I can tell you the big tough guys were so disturbed because they thought, well, hey, I can bench press 200 pounds or whatever. This young lady, okay, she absolutely could throw off 200-pound men as if they were flies. I'm not kidding you. I have seen that. So the supernatural supercharging, yet at the name of Jesus, with the authority of Jesus, because look, if we're coming into what we're coming into and facing the immediate period with the presence of Antichrist showing up, then the Spirit of God is going to have to train His people how to fight this battle, because I would guess it's more like 98% of Christians, number one, don't want to deal with this, and number two, are praying that they don't have to deal with it. And Jesus basically said, it isn't going to happen that way. You're listening to Canary Cry Radio. Now here are your hosts, Basil and Gauntz. Hey everyone, welcome to Canary Cry Radio once again. Uh, Basil is out today, but all is not lost because we have a very special guest tonight. He's someone who I highly respect and look up look up to. Um, he's the founder of Preemption Broadcast as well as ShatterTheDarkness.net, where he has uh, he's had millions of hits over the years and. He's got thousands of hours of free MP3 courses and material that um, I've certainly gotten a lot out of, so I recommend everybody to go check those out. Um, he's also the author of The Black Awakening, Rise of the Satanic Super Soldiers. Uh, it's Russ Dizdar. Russ, thank you for coming on to Canary Cry Radio. How are you doing? Oh, doing very good. Thank you. This is great. I love it. And uh, you're you're in a place that I've visited 30 30, 35 times, and uh, I love it out there also. Yeah, Orange County is definitely, um, it's different from a lot of other places. I've been to other p- parts of the country, and there's always a, a slight culture shock when I go to those, visit those different places. Absolutely. Yeah, but, um, you know, just to start off, for people that may not have um, heard about you or heard your testimony, can you give us a short kind of a Cliff Notes version of your, your uh, testimony of how you came to know Jesus? Sure. I uh, was not raised in church at all, didn't know anything. And through the late 60s, uh, just as a young person, teenager, got into you know drugs and partying and all that, which led to trying to get into occultism and just, you know, late 60s, early 70s, uh, all kinds of things were on the table. So uh, drugs, uh, rock and roll, occultism. But I uh, was trying to uh, be, you know grab hold of something. So I got into um, a martial arts form where we went to a Buddhist temple or a temple where we learned golden buddha meditation and there a master trained us um how to try to leave our bodies engage ascended masters and so i thought i was really spiritual i was getting spiritual but i was still partying and and um in all those years of just experiencing uh strange supernatural things and you know out of your body you know out of the body experiences things like that um none of it led me to god and uh, I was just, you know, still rolling down that road, and it led me to a point where we almost lost our life in the midst of one of these spiritual experiences. Um, we, um, and again, I didn't know anything else to do. Uh, we had more friends going to get together and try this astral projection again and getting out of the body and talking, you know, all this kind of stuff. Well, just prior to doing that, uh, some guy just out of nowhere, well, I, I guess God sent him, 
we were having a party at my apartment where there was packed out wall-to-wall folks drinking, partying, doing everything else. We were plotting this next uh, spiritual venture in astral projection, trying to get to the masters, all this kind of stuff we were taught. And this man just simply unleashed to every single person. He just came in, began to tell everybody about Jesus. Uh, I saw in him something I'd never seen in all all my years and, and all the spiritual experiences of I, I've had, I've never seen or felt anything. And he just kept telling me that, uh, Russ, Jesus loves you. You need him in your life. And uh, he wants to come into your life. And he poured out the whole message it disturbed me so much, Gons, that I, I left the apartment that night just, just to get away from that guy, <laughs> went to my mom and dad's house, and I thought, well, I'm away from him now. Now I'm back in my old bedroom down in the basement. There's a picture of a demon coming out of the fire pit in a ritual circle. There's other posters on the wall, black lights, call, you know, strobe lights. It was a big party place down in my basement. And it's where we read, you know, I had books and on occultism, all that kind of stuff. Um, but I went to bed and I, I went back and forth, back and forth, just in my head. There was this conflict going on. Um, and all I could, you know, from the message I heard, because I never heard it like that. I never knew. I believed there was a God, but I didn't know how to get there. Right. And I guess I was uh, looking, but um, when the message came, it was as if, you know, God struck me and uh, I, I just kind of, I knew, I mean, I knew more than ever at that moment God was real and that Jesus was uh, beyond anything I have ever known. And I, my life, I know, was just dirty. And I, I listen, I knew I was a lost and a sinner at that. I mean, I was just, I just knew. And so all I knew is what they said. Russ, if you'll, if you'll just call on Jesus and ask him to come in your life, if you'll turn your life over to him, he'll give you his power. He'll come into your life. He'll forgive you. He'll change your life. And that's all I did. I, that night, in, a, in a, if two, three, four, I don't even know what time it was in the middle of the morning, I rolled out of my bed. And I didn't know anything about church, and but I got on my knees, and I just said, Jesus, I don't know everything about you. What they said is, you'll come into my life, change my life, forgive me, you're the Savior. I turned, And I, I did, I prayed, come into my life, I turn my life over to you, and I don't care what anybody thinks anymore, I don't care what anybody says, I just surrendered and asked him to come in, and I knew that night. It's like God just literally walked through. They say, uh, uh, you know, open the, the, the door of your heart. That's literally like it, like, like it was. He came in and with his presence and power, that was 37 years ago. He's never left, never forsaken me. He's here and uh, he is the savior. He is God. He is uh, the hero of humanity, as I like to call him. And um, that's how my life was changed. Yeah, it uh, sounds a lot like... Um it just reminds me of, of John 10 about, you know, my sheep hear my voice. That just sounds like a great example of that, you know, because, you know, we're, we're just out here doing our thing. And I have, I had a very similar sort of background. And as far as I, I wasn't into golden Buddha or anything like that, but I was very, or at least I thought I was spiritual in um, seeking, you know, doing drugs and doing all sorts of stuff to try to have experiences. And so I can, I can relate to you on that front. Um, but I have a, I have a question um, what do you, uh, what is your opinion on, on people who, you know, maybe even Christians or believers who have sort of outer body experiences or find themselves in sort of an astral state or, um, you know, something like that, where they have experiences of, 
uh, and, and not always negative. I know the negative side of um, sleep paralysis and, and demon attack and things like that are, are obviously demonic, but what, what, what do you think is going on when there's sort of a positive, sort of maybe euphoric experience of um, some of these spiritual outer body type stuff going on uh, from a believer's perspective? Sure. I think, um, you know, on a biblical side of it and on an experiential side of it, I know both sides in a sense. I know this, the, the feeling and the sense and the source of the dark side. Now I know and have known the, the presence of God, the Holy Spirit, and His presence. So, out of all experiences, uh, we just got to make sure nowadays, because the ramping up of the dark side is so broad and so many experiences are out there. So, here's how I look at the, all of that. Um, the experience that we might get in any way, uh, if it comes from God, it always leads us to God. It always leads us to Christ. It always engages us with Jesus. If it comes from the other side, it'll seek to obscure that and move us away. We just simply have to make sure that um, what we are experiencing is coming from God, the Holy Spirit. Uh, he'll never contradict Scripture, never contradict the character of Christ, uh, open us more to Jesus. Whereas the other side, will give experiences, and they can be very, uh, I mean, I had some phenomenal, crazy, I mean, supernatural experiences, um, but those earlier ones kept leading me to deeper and deeper ones, and like I said earlier, it almost, I mean, the, that guided me to the point where we almost lost our life in the midst of it uh, with a friend. So I would just say that we need to, that God, if we look at the book of Acts, we look at signs and wonders and experiences and extraordinary things that Paul, the apostle, God did through him. I believe in all of those for today. I believe that God works powerfully and big, and uh, and uh, the only thing at this point in history is to make sure, test the spirit, see see where it, you know, where it's coming from. Right. Um, it, when we embrace when we embrace any kind of experience. Yeah. So you kind of alluded to it, but where do you think we are in, on sort of the prophetic timeline? Do you think? There's always people speculating, but do you think it's it's definitely ramping up? It's definitely getting to sort of a uh, a culmination point, a, a point of um, like a peak, a climax spiritually. You know, I, I really do. I, I really do at this point. And and I, you know, I, I was asked this you know years ago, and all the conferences all over. I get. I was just at one yesterday. They asked me again how much time we have for us. Where, where are we? So, and I just say this. Matthew 24 is this massive unveiling Jesus gives about the end of days. He was questioned about his return in the end of days. He gave exact answers. He laid out a number of signs. Things are going to occur. The number one issue, don't let anybody deceive you. The big issue, deception will be here, along with the earth changes and the wars and the violence and the wickedness. But here's what he says in verse 25. When all of these things, when you see all of these when all of them are on the table, then you know we're at the very end. So here's what I look at, and I think what I've seen is most all prophecy teachers, all the conferences, hundreds and hundreds of believers that are just totally bent on looking at prophecy in the end of days. Um, and I agree. I, all I can say is I believe we have a very short time. Um, could it be five years, three years, two years, ten years? Yeah, it could be any of those. Because uh, God, you know, God wants, you know, in, in prophetic literature, Second Peter chapter 3, the, the seeming delay of the coming of Christ and the end of everything is, is uh, based on God not willing that anybody perish. His patience means salvation. Right. So, you know, I, 
though I want to see the king of heaven face to face, and I know I will, and I know you will, though I want to you know, experience that last as- aspect of salvation, glorification, I like to call it indestructible, you know, irreversible immortality, um, there's, you know, I still, I still have to say, I pray there's so many people I want to see get saved. So I just simply say, because of the massive ramping up, because of the globalism that is uh, really embedded, the Luciferic doctrine of evolution uh, to godhood, the agenda of a golden, you know, a counterfeit golden age, it is so embedded now in the world and the chaos looms. Um, I just feel that we're very three, four, five years away from all of that erupting. Um, that's, that's just about where I feel. Cool. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people sense something, some sort of tipping point coming. And I think uh, it'll be interesting to see how things happen after 2012. You know, 2012 has been such a big, uh, yeah. uh, you know, topic in, in these circles. And um, what do you, just real quick, I mean, you don't have to get too into it, but what do you think is going to happen on that day? I know uh, Eli Marzulli, um, we interviewed him a few weeks ago, and uh looks like you guys are going to be heading down to um, the, uh, the, the temples down there in yeah, yeah, it's really kind of bizarre how it all worked. Because last year I did a series on uh, Chechen Itza, the Mayans, and the Crystal Skulls, and all that. We did a lot about it. We kept saying, "Hey, 2012 is going to be the biggest supernatural year." But what I mean is, the dark side is going to layer and ramp up and prepare and bulge at the seams, because the biggest, like we've been involved in dealing with 25 years. Ritual sites, ritual places, we've seen so many of them. But now we're talking about the ancient Nephilim sites where the gateways will be open as never before in history. And so at Chechen Itza, they expect 100,000 in December. At the Upside Down Mountain in Bugarak, France, uh, there's already 20,000. They expect 100,000 there. So all these big sites, people are, are feeling they're getting experiences and visitations and voices and they're going. I, I'm talking about New Agers and occultists and others and alienologists and all that. So this is really providential for us. Here's what's going to happen. I have prayed and prayed and prayed. L.A. calls about this thing that he got invited to, but he won't go unless I go, unless Richard goes. So we just began to pray about it. The doors opened wide. Thousands of dollars was given through his site for this project. Um, so we're going with L.A. And um, we're going to be there for 10 days that leads right up to the 21st of December in which this group will take us into, Chech- into um, Chechen Itza, the, the temple there, the big, big you know, temple there. Right. We're going to be inside that. Wow. Um, I don't know where else I could be. I mean, I, in a real sense, the worst place in the world is to be at one of these gateways because thousands and thousands and thousands are already preparing. They, some of them believe they're going to be able to open a gateway and see Katsikwadl, you know, come through. Right. Um, all these things are going to happen. So I, I personally take it as an Acts chapter 8 venture, like Philip going into Samaria. The town was inundated. Uh, that's how I'm going, but um, it's, it, is, it is providential. There's concern. There's those who are rotting now, warning us. Um, we'll also, we're also, uh, guys, we're going to be in, uh, uh, we just got this kind of nailed down lately. We're going to be in, in the Bugarak uh, Upside Down Mountain in France. We're going to be there also prior. Oh, wow. um, we're not even going to give the dates on that. We don't anybody really know, but we're going to be there about nine days. We're going to give a lot of report on it live from there and when we get back. But two of the biggest hot spots in the world 
Uh, I, I just think it's an answer to prayer, but it's going to be, um, again, in all the, in, in 37 years, I've seen a lot of things, but I've never, and I've seen, you know, channelers, and we've been to Roswell, we've engaged uh, abductees, and, and we've engaged uh, people who believe they've been called by the aliens to spout the alien gospel of a evolution of humanity in a new age, they're coming to save us. We've been, we've seen so many things, but I'm, I'm saying that these events in September, because they're coordinated around the world, not by man. Right. Um, there is a there is a synchronizing of it. I call it satanic synchronization. Uh, there is a simultaneous, um, richly oriented opening of gateways on the same date in numerous places around the world. And uh, all I can say is that uh, that's orchestrated by the dark side. And I believe that simply just is going to open the doorways. If you think of a small ritual letting two or three demons through, when we think of these things, we're, think, we're, we're thinking now tens of thousands. You know, like it's like opening the dams in a sense. And so I think there's going to be a really massive rush um, uh, uh, of spiritual confusion, which with that unleashing will come. Um, a corresponding, like we're seeing chaos, but we're going to see a corresponding eruption. Whenever there is more demonic presence manifest, there is more corresponding chaotic, uh, violent. Uh, I think for a lot of believers, they're going to feel in 2013 a lot more darkness in the air and in the world, a sense than we do now. Right. Yeah. I was going to kind of <clears throat> lead into that because. I kind of wanted to get into the Satanic Super Soldiers, which is sort of what your book's about and, and all that. So what, what do you think is sort of, um, you know, as this happens, we, we've seen this year just very strange things. We've seen the, the, the cannibalism that just, you know, all of a sudden there's people eating people's faces off and, I mean, all sorts of very dark things. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're saying at, after this year, after the 2012, 20, December 21st, uh, 2012, we're going to expect to see even more of that sort of thing, more of um, like massacres and, and shootings and, and sort of chaos that you talk about. Is that is that sort of what you're saying? And I, I absolutely believe that. I really do. I, I you know in the last year or so, we've seen the the, the bizarre shootings where everybody says, you know, these were the nicest people in the world, quiet people. They didn't know nothing about guns, but then they go in with expertise and they unleash and shoot and kill. Whether that's at the you know theater or the, with the Arizona, uh, you know, Congresswoman in right. uh, VTech and all this, and then we're seeing, like you said, even this last weekend, I think it was Friday in in, in uh, Pennsylvania, uh, the guy that went just—I mean, they said he was a nice kid, but all of a sudden he went—he just—they, you know, their term is they went nuts, they went crazy, and that's supposed to pacify us. No, there's something behind this. Right. And when and when he went crazy and went. He, he, he stripped all his clothes. He broke into houses. He leaped out of one house. Uh, he was badly injured, but he attacked two women. He took his blood, wiped it all over her, and then he began to eat her head, try to eat her head, face. And when then he would scream like an animal, they said. The cops came, tasered him immediately. He got up from the tasering, punched the cop in the face. It's as if, Mark V, a supranatural power, um, you know how that, that that we've seen this again and again. We've seen it face to face. We've seen staff uh, literally attacked and uh, and just uh, so what we're seeing right now and it's horrific. It really is. 
I, I believe we can expect, um, you know, 50 times as much. I think there's going to be so much. Uh, of this happening in this next year, let alone the border wars that will break out. I do believe there will be, at the very least, the kind of uh, you know border wars hit and in, in crunch you know in the Middle East and around other places, and right. the tensions will get high. Um, but we're we're in for some real concern. Um, even now until December, literally. And then I, I think when these doorways are opened, because see, we're looking at, you know, when we talk, we talk about the Upside Down Mountain or Chechen Itza or the pyramids or the, you know, all these places, Stonehenge, um, even the Circle Mount and the place here in Ohio, they're going to have thousands gathering there. So even when they do that then, um, I think that we're going to see uh, some real serious... Um, I mean, I think we're going to have a sense of feeling of it in the air and all that kind of stuff. But uh, we're going to we're going to really uh, in the United States, I think we're going to see some real dangerous eruptions. Uh, I, I'm not giving any kind of God given predictions, but I'm just saying uh, we 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 there should be a sense of preparation. And uh, on the one hand, if uh, the lights go out and the things, even if it's just for four or five days. Uh, but that's 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 really what I see uh, happening. It's not going to get better. It is going to get worse. Right, right. And yeah, even even just around here in Orange County, I mean, um, just you know, being a tech at a church, we have a, a the separate chapel for weddings and memorials, and we've uh, I think we've doubled in memorials just just in this year. You know, we haven't. And and you hear the stories and. Um, some of them are just horrific. We had um, a son shoot his father this this week, uh, and I don't know all the details, but um, you know the the wife of the father was uh, related to the church and everything else. So it's 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 starting to hit sort of close to home. You know, even even in communities where we are, where it's sort of you know tucked away, some of these things are not discussed, and it's sort of um, almost laughed at. You know, but. Um, what do you think? Do you think the some of the elites and some of these, you know, the luminists and and all these guys? Do you think they know that this is coming? As far as uh, you know, because I allude back to the public warning of a zombie apocalypse, you know, earlier this year, yeah. and people were saying, oh, you know, yeah, it's sort of tongue in cheek, and it's kind of you know, it's sort of a funny way, and then we see all these literally these zombie like events occurring. Do you think they're sort of aware that there's going to be this chaos? I uh, I really do, and I think how can the CDC put out an actual? I mean, this is a warning from the CDC concerning zombification, um, and uh, I think predicted in in the book of Revelation is the concept. When we go through the four horsemen and come to the pale horse, one fourth of mankind, over two billion people die in a short period of time. It says by war, by famine, by um, uh, whatever, whatever, whether that's uh, pestilence is chemical or just whatever disease, whatever that is, and then a fourth, fourth indicator, and it's it's interesting that God doesn't just say a fourth of mankind's going to die in the in the uh, unleashing, sequential unleashing of the most dramatic events in human history. Unparalleled. I mean, there's nothing in history to to to, to even compare what's what's going to strike: white horse, red horse, black horse, and then the pale. It says one fourth of mankind is dead, killed, 
it lists then. God even says, here's how it happens. But one of those elements, it says, and the beasts of the earth. And that's the word theron. And I've been trying to um, share more and more lately that that word is only used of the Antichrist, the false prophet, and then used there in reference to hundreds of millions of people in the future, maybe near future, I don't know, seven, eight years, I don't know, um, that will, that, I mean, we're talking hundreds of millions and an element of what brings the deaths is uh, what God says are these, in the English we have it as wild beast or beasts of the earth. Uh, the word theron means um, a wild, ripping, tearing, bestial, uh, non-human in a sense. But the picture is, uh, and it's not going to be hamsters attacking people, going crazy. <laughs> um, so if you think in terms, I think in terms of the, the Black Awakening issue, these super soldiers, because here's what I see. When I've seen highly programmed, transmuted, um, when, when their programming and the demonization is triggered, I see nothing but a cold, um, uh, they are willing and ready to rip and tear and, and they lust for just destruction and blood and killing. There's no conscience. Uh, they have superhuman strength. Uh, there's almost no way because we've had to deal, we've had to, we've had to engage it. Um, there's almost no way to stop them on an individual basis. Uh, they're stronger than five, six, seven guys. They're quicker. They're, uh, and they're just so, I mean, the presence of the enemy, um, pumping out of that programming, which is really just the human will, completely bent wide open, flooded wide open with no resistance from the inside mm. to do what they've been trained to do. And so we've seen what we've seen on the shooter level and on these last couple of uh, individuals, and they say, again, they went crazy or nuts, and they were eating the head off of, I mean, bloodlusting, eating human flesh, going crazy, and the one you couldn't stop till you killed him, the other one you, you couldn't stop with the taser, you had, they had to go further than that. So what if, you know, guys, what if, what if like in our, our view of the underground, see, we're talking about the above ground, you know, Bugarak and, uh, and Chechen East and all these temples, right. that's above ground. Right. What we've done in 25 years is look at the underground. I, used, I like to call it, I'm, I don't like, like to, but the blood and gut, the real Luciferian, they know the rituals, they know the twilight languages, they have um, uh, their covens by the tens of thousands will operate. Um, I think in a in a synchronized way, you know, throughout December too. So their covens, their rituals. Uh, I did a presentation with Tom Horn, and he put it in his book called 500 Million Satanic Rituals." Uh, I can explain that if you want, but uh, the underground is worse as far as what's happening in the summoning of demons and the and the blood and gut side of it than what we see on the public side. And um, that only lends it to one thing. That's why I'm saying it could be that literally right after December, in a real sense, all hell breaks loose right. in the worst of ways. Uh, so I, I surely can't say it won't. Um, my own just personal sense is that we might have a little more time for evangelism. We might, And so... It's not a time to back away. It's a time to you know make the most of every opportunity now. But right. So, how did you come to the knowledge of of satanic super soldiers and the Black Awakening? Because that I, I feel like um, you know when I first heard about the Black Awakening and and all these the satanic super soldiers and all this, 
it was a little bit, it, it seemed like, wow, this is really out there. But as I listened to how you came to the information, what what they're actually saying, um, it started to make a lot of sense to me. Um, so can you can you give us a little bit of a, a walkthrough of how you came to know these things? And, you know, sure. because it's not the easiest uh, topic to discuss, you know, in an everyday conversation. So exactly. And I do know that. Um, well, and I'm, I was a pastor and I was working in a youth for Christ ministry, uh, you know, in, in the seventies and we were doing evangelism. And of course we met, you know, demon. We, we had to do some deliverances with, with folks and, and, and we, so we were used to that, but in the later seventies, um, while we worked with young people, we noticed that at every single school, we did find kids that were into Satanism, reading the Satanic Bible, ABCs of Witchcraft, all these other books, doing stuff, cutting up animals. And, and, and we got called in to deal with that. And then, so we formed a group. I formed a group back in like 79 called, we just simply called it Shatter the Darkness. We, we, we took a team and said, we're going to target kids that are into Satanism and that are into the dark, you know, occultism, we're going to go after them to evangelize them. Well, as we began to do that, that led us into dealing with them, where they got their materials, what coven, you know, they began to tell us about where they're meeting, what adults were involving them. Uh, that involved more deliverance issues. Uh, then we began to get threat stuff. Then we engaged one night. And that's when I think we decided somewhere in the early 80s, 81, 82, I'm going to go and learn and read every book I can, go to every conference I can, read everything I can. So a, a number of things occurred. A law enforcement guy somehow got a hold of me. He wanted me to come to the police academies, learn about satanic occult crimes and so forth. He pulled me into some you know classes and things like that. I was reading materials. I, I uh, got a phone call to go deal with a young girl in a psych ward. That was one of the first, and I didn't know what it was then, but a, a, a you know again a chosen one, uh, somebody who was a uh, they had their their personalities were forcefully by trauma split, and they had programming imposed into them, highly demonized. Uh, they had enormous information and uh, you know underground satanic um, language and and symbols and th- we got into something we didn't even know what it was at first. Uh, the deliverance side was was one thing, but that's what started it. And we opened wide to saying, Lord, we'll we'll help any of these. We'll go whatever. More came and more came and more came. We're talking 10, then 20, then 30. Um, the cases started coming in like crazy. So we heard stories. This is what they did over in this basement, or this is what they did over here, and these are the tools they used. So we behind the scenes, guys, we, we formed a little unit um, that would uh, uh, just simply, for these stories, we were going to track them to verify uh, we were going to use what we learned in law enforcement. We're going to use what we learned, you know, you know, new in prayer and just prayer mapping and going after it, uh, because there was a lot of deception in all this, right. and we needed to find out. We we learned the hard way, you know, I'd say for eight or nine years, and spent hundreds and hundreds of hours out in the middle of the night, other places, even digging up bones, going to ritual sites, being taken by ex-victims to places. And, and so that's what we tried to do. We tried to verify. Then we engaged groups. We engaged people threatening. We engaged people showing up at our houses. We engaged um, undergrounders that were telling us to back off. More victims came in and more to where throughout the 90s, we were just... Uh, 
I'm, I, I can't even tell you how many or how many hours, how many, how much, but uh, uh, we were all over the place. We went to every conference and tried to read every single book on the market on the subject that was developing. Nobody knew how to deal with the so-called MPD multiple. Even the psychiatry, you know, DSM-3, their, their diagnostic manuals, they didn't have anything in there. Um, so in the 80s, hundreds began to show up, then thousands. By the 90s, Holly Hector and Centennial Hospital says 2.4 million. Then we engaged the military side of it. Mm-hmm. That's when we engaged um, unbelievable stuff, tracking stuff, engaging old old Nazis involved. And uh, the further we went into the tunnel, uh, the more detestable, the more uh, ugly. Uh, it's it's I, I'm all I can say, I say it this way sometimes, and I and I really mean this. It's like we were taken to, uh, to uh, in you know, just down into the tunnel of Hell's Kitchen, and we we began to see on a systematic level throughout the United States. Then we realized, hey, it's in Canada, it's in Australia, it's in England, it's in Ireland, it's in it's in Germany, it's in Switzerland, it's in uh, Italy, it's deeply in the Vatican, mm-hmm. and and so it just kept building and building and building and um, I knew at one point I had to write this book I had the most fierce opposition I've ever had in my life I thought we we're going to lose my wife in the midst of it um, and uh, I, you know there's probably I probably could have wrote a 2,000 page book <laughs> about to be 664 pages in the worst of ways because it wasn't even we lost some editing uh issues that when it went to the publisher when my wife went to the hospital they said with an aneurysm she was doing the editing she's good but all these it was just such opposition mm-hmm. in all those years and so all i can say is the verification on vi- the physical side we needed to have that because there is po- plotted and purposed um, disinformation going on, and uh, and it's it is really more secretive than the mafia, more secretive than the drug lords, because there's the physical secrecy, but the supernatural cloaking, hiding this, like Ezekiel eight. Uh, we had to learn a lot about prayer, intercession, spiritual authority to be able to crack in and uh, engage and that has just led us um what we have out now is probably a fourth of what i wish we can still get out uh even before the end wow yeah it's it's um that book is very long but it was a very good you know it was very thorough and if you're saying there's more information i mean that's that's incredible <laughs> um but uh you know you had brought up something that that perked my my curiosity um and i'm sure uh, some of our listeners might have a similar question, but how do you how do you know when some someone is having an actual you know psychological problem and it's act- or, or if it's an actual demon? How do you differentiate that, or do you think it's one and the same? Um, there is a difference. Um, I mean, it, it, there there is now an experiential difference. Um, I can say it this way. I know Jesus. I know his voice. I know the, the felt presence of the Holy Spirit. Uh, and you, when you walk with the Lord and you walk that long enough, you, you become very familiar. Mm-hmm. Now, when we've engaged in, in 30 years total, 25 of these years being very intense up to this very day, we're talking now hundreds 
And I know it's weird, but sometimes there, we would engage, you know, uh, not only our teams, but on an individual basis, I would end up having to do six, seven, eight, nine deliverances in one week. And then, because we just was willing to take everybody in. So here's, here's the issue. We, we, um, we had to learn because um, sometimes it's just people's own sin and their own attitude, their own darkness. So here's the good issue. Many people have been brought to us from all over. In our local area, 50 churches alone sent us people that were claiming that they might be demonized. Many of them were not. Um, it was their own sin issues. It was the own results of their own sin. Um, and so here's how it works out. The proof's in the pudding. Uh, I used to always say that when I taught theology. is this, The proof's in the pudding when, the, when it comes down to this. The authority of Christ that he's given us, Luke 10, 19, is so devastating to the dark side so powerful that when we engage someone that may or you know feels they do or may not have or whatever just to begin to pray and command for anything there to come forward without harm to be manifest to engage it um if there's a real demon presence there you're going to engage a real a real battle you're going to engage it directly so um demons uh engaging them uh they are real there's a consistent you know they're exactly like we see in the gospels exactly like we see with paul in acts uh, 16 18 when he deals with a girl that has the the the, the spirit that led her to predict and, and how he did things then <laughs> but now the complexity is um and, and i just got done from a seminar yesterday we did a conference yesterday i was i taught for about eight hours straight it was just i was wore out but it was just really good time but um we had to you know we come down to a, a we differentiate between you know oppressions demonic oppression that comes to all believers then we look at the, what we call attack like ephesians 6 or like job's issue where there's attack and things in your life and things are bizarrely hit in the worst of ways with the goal of trying to get you mad at God or give up your faith, that kind of thing. The two other areas are attachment and then real possession. Attachment is in Ephesians 4 when we open the door, when we, and God says there, don't give the devil you know, a foothold. Right. Um, so we're told not to, and Topon has that idea of a legal right, yet a, it's, a, it's like really opening a door. I'm sitting in a research center right now down talking to you. If I was to open the door over here and just leave it open, it's a beautiful night here, but I guarantee you the groundhog will come in, the cat will come in. I don't know what else a critter will come in. Right. So door shut. I'm not, I'm not going to let him in. Um, so if we open the door to an area, demonic presence can come into that part and, and hold. And then we have a stronghold issue. So we look at that. Now, the complexity is in the multiplicity. I've got to say this very clearly because there's still people that are falling prey to this issue. When it comes to human splitting of personality, and having actual subalter personalities, they can seem, because it's like having another person in the body. Sally's the main person, but she's got Jody and Joey and Debbie and other human personalities um, split off her main personality. Mm-hmm. Whatever's human, the authority of Christ doesn't affect. Um, so that's an issue of healing. That's an issue of inner healing. 
and 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 we you know depending on how much time you have tonight, the issue of really because there are a few believers left out there that are saying, hey, it's all demons. Well, the truth is proof in the pudding. Here's what will happen. If a deliverance person that's doing, you know, if someone comes in and all of a sudden these other personalities come up and they start talking to, and a person thinks, oh, that's all demons, so they command, in the name of Jesus, get out, you know, and they start going through the whole deliverance thing, what happens is the human, real human personality issue, all they do is go down. Right. They just go down and wait till they can find somebody that will listen to them and help them. Mm. There is demons. The fact is you'll engage the demon uh, you may, you know, the de- you know, the demon will clearly, you know, in many many cases, will speak and are, you know, there's a whole engagement just like Mark five, and you have to command them out and get them out. Um, so that's what I have to do sometimes. And here's here's I'll give you one quick case where you, in the area of multiplicity in these chosen ones, the psychiatric field has acknowledged the existence, has changed their diagnostics. They acknowledge it worldwide. They know there's millions of victims. There's no question the secular world sees this, but they can't get deep inside. They can only give you know, hypnotherapy, drug therapy, you know, that kind of stuff, and right. integration partially. But we're dealing with demonic presence in some of the subpersonalities who are trained and programmed to be priestesses or assassins or sex slaves or runners or infiltrators. Now, here's what happened. I walk into a room. They say, Russ, a demon's manifesting in, in this multiples in this room. So I go in right away, deep voice. I am a demon. I'm a tiger. You know, and they, they I, I command, okay, in Jesus' name, what is your name? I wanted to know right offhand because I didn't feel it. I didn't sense demonic. And I am tiger and I am going to be here and I rule, you know. So I just did feel it, God. So I looked at this lady and I looked at this thing, you know, this personality actually looking through and looking at me. And I said, um, no, you're not. And it's like they were stunned, and they looked at me and said, yes, I am. I'm a demon. I said, okay, uh, talk backwards, do something supernatural, uh, do what a demon does. Sometimes. Do, do what a demon does. Uh, they went like, they went there, uh, no. <laughs> and I'm like, I look at them, and I say, listen, you're a human personality, aren't you? And they, their shoulders went down, and all their angry face went, and they go, yes, how'd you know? Here was a sub-personality, about 17 years old, by the coven, trained to act like, you know, ferocious demon. This happened in another case with a large group of Youth for Christ guys that brought a girl down out of Cleveland area. And the moment she started, she had this whole, everybody was expect same thing occurred. Only this one, I am Python, and I, you know, you'll never get me out. And uh, Christians have tried and it took them 18 hours and they gave up in three minutes we engaged and said, I said the same thing to this one. You're not a demon. And the same thing. They confessed. They began to interact. Uh, in the one case, uh, there was a healing encounter that occurred. Jesus brought healing and wholeness. In the other case, this person wanted to remain the way they were. And they told us that they have tricked a lot of Christians and f- made them just go through hours and hours of deliverance stuff. Um, so there's a real need for a clear discernment and an experiential seasoned discernment when it comes to working with multiples because some of them are operative just to play disinformation, run circles around you, 
and um, a lot of other things uh, that we have to be aware of. Yeah, I find that fascinating that you bring that up because I think it's true that most, I guess, sort of deliverance uh, ministries or, or sort of, you know, people who are interested in spiritual warfare and deliverance and stuff, they, you know, they seem to just think that it's, oh, anytime they come across something, it's it's a demon and they ch- they have to try to cast it out and all this. But you're saying that you have to more so expose what's really going on and, and you know, be very, like you said, discern whether it's actually a demonic presence there or not. And so how do you know? I mean, you said you feel it. Um, is it is it just experience? Is it just, uh, you know, is there a way to train for that? Or is it more just, you know, uh, being with the Word, being with God, and, and just being with the Spirit, Holy Spirit, so that in those encounters you sort of know? Is that learned or is that something that just God just gives? It's, you know, it's both. I mean, I would say, first of all, rely on the fact that God, the Holy Spirit, greater is he who's in us and he's in the world. We, they have demons. They have demon spirits. They have real be- you know, but we have God, the Holy Spirit. There's nothing they can get past him. So a deep reliance upon the Holy Spirit that we've learned to do, because there's times the Spirit of God will just simply, because like when I'm engaging somebody or when somebody's going to be brought to my office, we learned a long time ago, I will pray, pray that up ahead of time and ask the Lord what's, com- you know, what's coming in. If there's anything demonic, give me a sense of function of the demon or a name or something. But I will say this, rely on the God, the Holy Spirit, number one, and just the Lord's presence there and trust in him. But then as you do that again and again and again, it becomes experiential. Just like in soul winning and other things, you learn to do it better. You learn to do it faster. You, you're, you're, you are, a sen- in a real sense, wiser. Um, so that uh, there's times people have come in, we begin to talk, and all of a sudden, I know this is a multiple. There's demon presence here. We haven't engaged yet. We're just discussing. And inwardly, I am praying to be shielded, praying for God to begin to guide and lead, because I know it's going to erupt. Um but the, but the third thing I would say then is just it comes down the proofs in the pudding. If there's any kind of oppressive attachment, possession, any level of demonization, if we who are real believers command in the name of Jesus uh, while we're relying on the Lord for insight and discernment, uh, if there's something really there, um, it's like if you're standing outside of a house, I'll explain it this way. You're looking at what you think is a window into the house, and you're you know, 20 yards away, you got a snowball, and you throw it thinking you're going to hit the window, but it goes right through. There's no window. The gla- you, know, uh, you, didn't, you didn't see clear enough because the, the, actually the window was gone, and, and the snowball went right through into the house. Um, the fact is either there's real demonic presence, and if you use the authority of Christ, there will be some level of engagement. And I'll give you three quickly. One, when it comes to oppression and praying for people, commanding in the name of Jesus that any demonic oppression, whatever assignment, whatever's been, you know, get out and release the person. They will say things like, wow, it's like this darkness has left me, this feeling of spiritual depression. You know, all of a sudden there's an exchange in the sense of manifested felt presence. Second thing would be this. 
if they have opened up to where you know they've given into some kind of demonic stuff and we we command something demonic to go uh and it and they there might be there might be physical action there might be a you know they might have a real you know growling or jerk or their you know eyes go back in um but in the name of jesus release them now and when there's like a break a point in time when there's a break and uh, they know that something release them um then the third level is the actual possess. You know where a demon comes up, just like in Mark five. In those cases, there's no denying that. That's why I've made like cops that want to bring demonized people in, psychiatrists want to bring demonized people in. You know what I do? Okay, bring them in. We'll deal with it. But you have to be in the room, and I, you have to you have to be here. And in so many of those cases, when the demonic spirit comes totally forward, just like Mark 5, begins the demon itself begins to speak and look through the eyes of the human being. It's always kind of awkward. The presence is always very evil. Sometimes they're just angry at first, wanting to mock God. Sometimes they speak in crazy language stuff, maybe even counterfeit uh, speaking in tongues and so forth. Um, and you got to take action. And when you do take action and you command and you just exactly like scripture, demons can go out screaming, they can become angry, they can be are fearful, uh, they know that Jesus is God and Savior and authority, um, they know what judgment is coming, uh, demons know what the abyss is, just like in scripture. Mm-hmm. So when they're really up and in your face, in a sense, manifested like Mark 5, um, I'm telling you, I've had bikers and others run out of a room when they saw it and felt a total manifestation. Wow. Um, what you learned, though, along the way is now it's just you, you have authority. This authority, you, you order them to stop. You, you're not going to let them do things and ultimately to get them out. So um, there have been some that have come into our offices, guys, and they've said um, – you know, I think I got a demon, Pastor Russ, you know, and, and pray for me, and I think I got this. And so we go through a whole thing of praying in the name of, you know, we're praying, and Psalm 139 says, search me, O God, and see if there's any offensive thing in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. So um, I don't mind, you know, asking God to search and dig and, ex- and extend the authority of Christ and command if there's anything there to make it known, if there's anything there to come forward without harm, uh, you're going to be dealt with, that kind of thing. And I'll tell you something, there's some folks that have come in and nothing, zero effect, zero anything. I didn't feel anything. Uh, I didn't sense anything, but that doesn't make any difference. Whether I feel or sense, we'll still extend that authority. And usually we work in teams, so we have others there to you know, be discerning also. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if there's nothing there, sometimes people say, well, then why do I feel this way or feel that way? Well, Getting into the sin nature, the flesh issues, can cause you to feel, you know, you grieve the Holy Spirit. or You know, you can, you can feel bad. You can feel depressed. Um, and uh, so that, and th- that's good. There's no demon, but you've got this to deal with and this to deal with, and this is what Jesus says. This is what the Word of God says, and you counsel them, in, you know, through that back to victory in Christ. Right. Yeah, that's, that makes a lot of sense. Uh I have a you know another question that I have is is and it sort of seems like you have you know you since you have so much experience in this field um you know there may not be one case that stands out but but is there is there a 
a case that really stands out that was really supernatural in the sense of, um, you know, the dark side supernatural uh, manifesting. What what is perhaps the most, uh, I guess the the most memorable, if you will, experience of that nature of of seeing the dark side really manifest? Do you have one that really stands out over the years? Let me give you two quick ones. One young girl teenager that was drawn into a Wiccan circle, into bonding rituals, so forth. Anyway, her mother brings her to the offices. She's, you know, 17, I think, at the time. Uh, she's, she's, you know, I open the door. Her mom brings her in. Her mom wants to, you know, stay on the outside. I have one of my staff guys there. And uh, she is, like, frozen. And uh, I look at her, and I can, I can just, I, you know, I can experientially, but also a sense. I'm, I look at her and say, do they not want you to be here? And she shook her head, you know, like, yeah, they don't want me to be here. Um, when I told her to sit down and just when I began to spy and she's like, like her whole body's tense and like she's, she knows something's going to erupt. So I said, Let, let's just pray real quick. The moment I began to pray, all of a sudden, full manifestation, this demonic presence throws her to the ground before I can say anything. She's growling. This voice is speaking, and I command, shut up. Who, what is your name? It spoke its name. I wanted to know how it got in there so she could repent and not let the doors be opening longer. Um, you know, So there was a confession. There was an acknowledgment of what it was. And when I say that, I say, I try to listen to what the Spirit of God says first, but I do sometimes command and say, you know, how'd you get in there? I want to know how... So, a person can close the door. Anyway, it was over in three, three four minutes. The, the, we commanded the demonic spirit went out. She knows it went out like a thorn being taken out of your skin. Mm. You know when this big old thorn is taken out. Afterwards, she was free. There was nothing else going on, no other eruption. And I asked her the same thing. Yeah, drugs and the wicked bonding stuff she got into. That's one side. Fully manifested. A simple thing like that getting into that. And, and look what it did. On the other hand, a Catholic priest, used to be anyway, a Catholic priest out of Pennsylvania, comes to our offices, two of us are there. We get into this um, engagement with him, and I will only tell you what I, I, I feel like as we began to pray over him, and he knew that he had demonic uh, generational stuff, stuff that was done to him, demons, uh, you know, that have uh, that he he knew there was stuff. So as we began to pray, here's what all, all I can say: it was as if a a winged creature flew into the room and landed in the room, as if it might have been you know twenty feet tall and five hundred pounds. Wow. Physical. I'm just all. I'm, I'm just sharing experience. Um, that uh, that it was so absolutely demonstrative. I didn't see anything with my eyes, but if you think in terms of the way film used to work in the old days, and you had the negative, the negative, uh, that you look at the negative and you kind of kind of lightly see the picture. There was a sense of that, and I'm telling you something. It was uh, the strongest felt powerful but dark menacing as if it was looking right down my throat and the other guy that was with me he he had the exact same thing the priest guy knew uh that it was there so as we began to pray and we prayed strong and we prayed hard we commanded this thing to go um after this experience and we were there for like three hours with this individual 
I'm driving home, and I told the people in the audience yesterday in the in the uh, conference because uh, they asked a similar thing. And I said, when I was leaving, I asked, I said, Lord, I want to see. You know, I've never seen a demon. Uh, I've never seen that I know of an angel show up. I mean, uh, you know, or anything like that at all. But I, I said, Lord, in all these cases, hundreds and hundreds now, I, I, I want to, you know, and that experience led me. I just like, Lord, you know, it's like I need to see this. I want to see them face to face. I want to see it. Um, because biblically we got to understand how real they're so absolutely real. They are real beings with mind, will, and the intellect and, and totally dark and, and, and anti-God and, and so forth. So as I'm driving home, you know, three o'clock in the morning, whatever I was praying that, and I'm telling you what, God just spoke to my heart instantly and said, no, you'd be distracted. And I never, I never really kind of brought it up again because I understood, um, I don't know what they actually look like. I've heard stories. I've seen drawings. I've seen drawings from the demonized chosen ones uh, in all the, again and again and again in all their literature that they, you know, writings that they do and things that they've done to where they've seen stuff because they're highly demonized. Um, but I think that concept of destruction, but I, that was probably the, uh, the most demonstrative I mean, we've had folks where the demons, you know, immediately switch and jump out at us. One person was a demonized program, subpersonality, took a bayonet and tried to, you know, stab me in the head when I, I was looking down at notes. And they switched before I even knew anything went on. That was weird and that was bizarre. But this case, because uh, it involved weird languages, it involved dealing with other demons. There was not just one, but there was a number of demonic, and then all of a sudden, it's as if they called and this thing arrived. I, I can only say that's what I felt we experienced, but we had to really pray hard, really pray strong, engage. But that, uh, but the, again, the authority of the Lord, we were able to commit, you know. And and then when there was like like it left, even the priest, everybody knew the presence cleared the room, and um, that would be one of the weirdest. Wow, that's that's incredible. I don't I don't think I've heard that story. So uh, that's a very not, about that one yet. <laughs> we got we got a whole bunch of stories to tell, but um, we're out there. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, I have a I mean a couple different directions I can take this. I guess I'll I'll take it uh, to the uh, a, the ghost issue, the paranormal ghost issue. Uh, just wanted your opinion on that. There's you know. A lot of shows out right now, Ghost Hunters and Ghost Adventures, and these guys go into these places that had a lot of trauma, and they come across entities, um, and it's being sold to the public and the mainstream that they're just dead people. You know, a lot of times, in the case of like Ghost Hunters, if you've ever seen that show, uh, you know, a lot of times they'll try to comfort the uh, the people who actually live in the houses and say. Oh, you know, it's just a dead person or it's your grandparents or whatever, you know, whatever based on the quote unquote evidence they capture with EVPs and things like that. Um, and, you know, there's other cases where, you know, there's um, someone who uh, passed away with some injustice and they try to communicate or, you know, that's what they say anyway. They try to communicate with someone through dreams or, or other other ways. And then, uh, you know, they bring it to the authorities and, you know, there's the, somehow the case that was unresolved, you know, 20 years ago is reopened and solved. And, you know, these kinds of things that you hear often, what, what is your opinion on that? I mean, I, I, to my understanding, they're not 
actually dead folks walking around. Um, you know, they're, they're demonic and they're sort of counterfeiting, uh, you know, the, the deceased to sort of draw in emotionally, uh, the people around them. Uh, but what's, what's your take on that? And, and, and obviously I, I, I would imagine that you'd think it's dangerous, uh, for these people to be going into these places and trying to conjure up, uh, experiences. Right. Extremely. I mean, this is dangerous as we see in the, uh, book of acts where the guys that were not believers went in to deal with, uh, the, you know, the seven sons of Shiva, they go in to deal with, uh, the demonized guy and they were going to use the name of Jesus as if it was a charm. They didn't have no permission to use it. They didn't know him. They didn't have authority. So the spirit, the demon speaks and says, Jesus, we know, and Paul, we know who are you. And then it leaped out and of course beat the heck out of them, ripped their clothes off and they went out naked and bleeding. Um, and we, we know of a couple of cases where things like that occurred. Uh, here, here, yeah, it's dangerous in the sense uh, when we don't have eyes to see and no perception to really know what's there, nor when we don't have any authority to command, hey, whatever is there, show yourself what, who you really are. Um, so here's the issue. Um, in, and we've been called to a lot of places, and a lot of grounds, a lot of buildings, a lot of basements all over the place, ritual site areas too. There are entities in people and on objects and in places where gateways or doorways have been opened. Um, you're right about the issue of dead people. No, when, when we die, we go before the Lord, there is a, a dealing of judgment there. Um, Ecclesiastes 12.7 talks about, and chapter 12 talks about when we die, our spirit leaves and goes back to God. And that's when we're, you know, we're dealt with, whether we know the Lord or not. Um, so, no, and a lot of people say to me, a lot of psychics say to me, there's some chosen ones that'll say to me, I see dead people. Um, I say, okay, well, let's test that. Because in, in folks that are demonized, the capacity, like in, the, in Ephesians chapter 1, we're told that, you know, that the eyes of our heart would be enlightened that we might know the inheritance. Well, what's the eyes of our heart? Well, that's our capacity to receive, perceive, and know God, to know spiritually. We're hardwired to know God. Um, we're hardwired to be spiritual. But if demonic presence comes and opens that, well, the occultists call that opening the third eye. They have an empowerment to see things. Here's the problem. Like when I was in Buddhism and in this astral projection and everything else, we saw things, we heard things, we listened, um, but we had no ability to um, actually cut through what they are. Here's a word that I mentioned so many times in the live programs and I meet people they, and they come to me and say, Russ, the Greek word, metaskizmatsatai. You know, I know the word now, you know. Well, that's where, you know, Satan masquerades as an angel of light. Meta, schizmazo, the word means that they have the ability to literally, the physics, to completely morph and make a presentation, to be utterly masked. They can look like Uncle Harry. They can look like, you know, Grandma Julia. They can uh, look like an alien. They can look like an ascended master, white-bearded ascended master. They can look like a gray. They can more. We've got to understand their ability to perceive us and read us. Um, is supra-human. They're able to um, morph and change, let alone the fact, guys, that in, in Ephesians 6, when we're told that our battle is not against flesh and blood, the Holy Spirit, being the infinite, you know, infinite God, uh, omniscient, named 
the species of demons, of, of fallen ones, Cosmocrater, Arcase, the Exousia, the Porneus Pneumonicae, why didn't he just say, hey, the demons are you know, fighting against you? But here, he references the Spirit of God says, this is where your battle lies, with the Arcase, the rulers, with the Cosmocraters, like, they're like ascended masters and the great white brotherhood and all that kind of stuff. And they're located in the heavenlies, operating down in and wanting to get into the lives. So they are different in function, different in type. Jesus says in the one time the disciples couldn't cast a demon out, he says, well, this kind goes out you know, with only prayer and fasting. Well, the word kind or type, the Greek word is for species, a, a, a species or a, a, a specific um, type of the demonic or fallen angel uh, is different. One's different. Than the, I mean, they're all same in nature, all same in league with Satan, all the same in their opposition of God. Um, but they, they, some are more powerful. Some are more can function, um, you know, differently. So here's the issue. If there was massive violence and there was demonization, uh, here's, here's what happens. A demonized person, like we've seen in some of these cases lately, uh, can go, can be, so taken over with superhuman strength, bloodlusting, can, can go after trying to kill somebody. Um, or if they're killed and they did have demons, where do the demons go? The demons don't stay in and on a dead body. They never do. Um, if a crazed rapist who's demonized rapes somebody, in the process of the rape, the demon can transfer over and latch on to the victim who has gone passive, who has gone deep into fear, um, because that's their nature. They're malevolent, they're evil, that's part of their wickedness. If it's happened in a house, if a ritual was done in a, in a, in a backwooded area, if we've been to places where blood rituals have been done and dug up bones and brought them back to the police academy, some of the worst demonic presence and power can be felt in those places and um, if you walk into a place where there are spirits because gateways were open, they will perceive you like in the Gospel of Mark. Anybody can read in the Gospel of Mark. As Jesus was approaching, here's what the scripture says. The spirit saw him from a distance, approach, you know, coming towards him. A demon, a spirit demon in a person can observe. I believe without question they can look at you instantly whether you have the Spirit of God in you or not. Hmm. And uh, if you do, it's kind of like, like we do this. Humanly, we, we size people up. We look at people. We get a sense. We perceive their abilities in this are far beyond ours. Um, that's why we're told to, you know, the, the word watch in Colossians 4.2 is Gregoruo, meaning look, we're dealing with the demonic now, look for impending danger. We, we, we who have the Holy Spirit should begin to experientially do what the scripture says, pray, of course, give thanksgiving, it says in that verse, but now we're supposed to engage the concept of actually watching and looking around and, 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 and getting a sense whether something from the enemy is coming. It's used in, in 1 Peter 5 about, you know, be self-controlled, be alert, be watchful, be looking for that impending danger. Have your spiritual discernment acute and vigilant because your enemy, the devil, is roaming around seeking whom he may devour. So I just, uh, 
I've been to I've been on some of those walk places where ghost hunters and paranormal people they've interviewed me we've engaged I could tell you that many of them said Russ you know and these are not believers we felt the most evil presence or we felt this notice too on the television shows how it's a little girl or a little boy and and it a little laughter over here and a little noise over here and there it's like that concept curiosity kills the cat right they're and more they want to go after it more uh i don't know if you've seen the movie white noise i have not if you get a chance go ahead and do look at it as a research or the movie insipid those two movies i think gave a a real picture of the deception that can occur that draws people in and draws people in and shows how the other side at first seems to be uh, friendly or trying to draw them in or but then shows behind the scenes how ugly and demonic and horrible and what destruction they can bring those two movies uh, I can only say I'm glad I mean I say when I when I say research them like I do books um, to observe them as if you're you know reading and studying because the one deals with the the EVPs you know the um, uh, electronic voice, um, you know, and they they believe hearing the the dead people speak or you know coming through the TV or coming through the you know the radio box or whatever, and that whole thing led this guy to become so obsessed with getting to his wife, but in the end, it is demonic presence and they attacked him and they killed him, and the other one, insipid, uh, it it. it um, it, it even shows this demonic presence behind the scenes that the people, even the new age psychic lady who's going to come in and try to, you know, read the ghost and engage the ghost and engage the presence, she gets blown out of the waters. Uh, and the demonic in that realm wins. Hmm. So I, I'm just saying in all of this that look how much has ramped up. Did we see this in the 70s? Not really. Um, but have we seen it in the 90s in the last decade? It's off the charts. It's on television all over. It's uh, it's all over our city. And and, uh, um, and and I think that there's a game being played, but a curiosity being drawn in. And here's the demonic. First Timothy 4, 1, the Holy Spirit clearly says, expressly says, the actual word means, it's like you say, the Holy Spirit raises his voice to say, hey, in the end of days, seducing, Greek word planos, planos spirits, um, seducing is the a correct word for that translation, or deceiving, or the word imposter. Mm. Um, they're going to come, and they're going to seek to deceive many, meaning massive amounts of people. They're going to try to find some that will actually be guided to write down writings in the scripture the Holy Spirit calls it dedake demonoia, doctrines of demons. So um, they're operative, and they can act like anything that they perceive with their suprahuman ability as they look into somebody to think, this is how I'll draw them. This is what I see you know, that will draw their curiosity. This is what will make it. Like the guy on television that says he's reading dead people. He's not reading dead people. He's, read, he's listening to a spiritual realm that's perceiving the people in the audience and collectively then giving pieces of information. Right. Yeah, it makes a, you know, what you said there makes a whole lot of sense in understanding a lot of what's going on today, just in general with, you know, all the uh, New World Order stuff and the Illuminati stuff, but also th- all this um, 
occult explosion on television. I mean, I, the Disney Channel has. Re- I mean, these are stuff kids are watching. Just massive amounts of occultism uh, being preached there, and then. Uh, a topic that we often talk about in um, on Canary Cry Radio is transhumanism, mm. and um, you know Tom Horn obviously was the one that brought my attention to it, but it really raised my curiosity. So I've done some research on it, but really what it comes down to is it's a it's a spiritually led thing. You know, there's um, you know these scientists that are trying to become more than human based on technology and science and all this stuff. And again, I, I just truly believe that it's a spiritually led. Uh, thing that is causing them to want to do this, you know, because they don't have, um, they don't have that perspective of God. Um, but, you know, just to uh, start wrapping this up a little bit, the one thing that I really wanted to um, get your opinion on also was uh, just, just sort of your opinion and, and just your, I guess, in, input on the modern church, like the institution of church. Um, uh, both Basil, my co-host and I, we work at a a pretty, I guess you can call it like a baby mega church type church. Um, we we work as a tech. Uh, we, we both work in the tech uh, department, um, but we see, you know, we don't necessarily see people talking about um, the the potential evils. Yes, they talk about the brokenness and uh, the sin nature and all these things, but we don't really, t- you know, address uh, specifically the entities that are behind it uh, or could be behind it. Um, but in, recently, we had one of the pastors uh, at our church talk about how you know this woman came in and she had mentioned that she, you know she's hearing voices in her head and and um, you know she needs to talk to one of two pastors and it was very specific uh, and you know eventually they figured out that she had something else going on so they sat her down got a few other people from the staff and they prayed over her and it was sort of this deliverance. Uh, experience but he was sort of taken back by this and the whole you know our staff um uh this was sort of told at a staff meeting that we had the staff was sort of startled like you know wow i can't believe that really happened you know did it really happen there's still a little bit of skepticism and whatnot so what what is your opinion on that you know the the church doesn't really address this issue do you think that there is infiltration happening at some level either spiritually or physically just uh, people being there those kinds of things seem to just not be addressed at all. You know, uh, my co-host Basil has had an experience while in the church, you know, doing his tech thing, um, of having a sleep paralysis experience where while a service was going on. So, I mean, there's got to be stuff there that um, uh, that we just don't see. What is your opinion on that as far as, uh, you know, maybe a message to the the bigger body of Christ? Sure. Uh, thank you for the question too, because of this issue. Um, I've been a pa- I was a pastor for thirty years in four local churches, and um, I love the body of Christ. We're in a local fellowship, uh, but here's what we've seen in the underground. On the one hand, spiritually, yes, the dark side seems to have the audacity. Acts chapter 5, Satan enters in and fills Ananias Sapphira to try to come in and you know pull the wool over the eyes of the church. Um, we have in Galatians chapter 1 where some of the Judaizers are coming. They want to infiltrate, to spy on the brethren. Um, so we have that concept. We have the seven churches in Revelation. Jezebel's in. Half the churches there had problems with spiritual infiltration. Uh, bringing in false doctrine, false practices. So on a spiritual level alone, 
Satan doesn't leave it alone just because it's a church building. If he can piggyback through somebody else coming in or do whatever he can to bring somebody in with, you know, counterfeit doctrine, counterfeit presence, counterfeit whatever. We're warned in Second Thessalonians, along with the very end of times, counterfeit supernatural signs, wonders, miracles. Uh, we've learned every charismatic gift can be counterfeited. Um, so we should have, with the biblical content, if we have it in us, the, we should have the cutting edge heads up and be spiritually acute concerning it. Now, on the other hand, with all of this stuff, the Black Awakening, um, by the way, just real quick, that term is not ours. It was given to us by a military-oriented one. They, they mean by that that they are the troops that are going to create the massive multicultural, multinational chaos that will eventually usher in a new age. Now, these individuals, we have tracked them purposely. We have tracked them prayerfully, purposely, with actual tools of surveillance. We have been called to numerous churches. Here's what I believe, guns, with every ounce of my being. Here's what we've learned. They are highly trained. They have sub-personalities highly trained in purposely infiltrating the church. They have personalities with disinformation. Um that this goes back quickly now to say they go this goes back to the 70s when they began to release by the thousands trained chosen ones into churches ministries ptl all these different ministries they begin to unleash them in i am convinced as a pastor as someone who's in missions now um that uh that tens of thousands upon thousands of churches do have in those churches purposely planted what may seem to us to be someone who's like you just said, I need this, I need that pastor, I'm needy, I have voice. You know, they on a on on one hand they they seem like they need some help, but on the other side, with the subpersonalities and the demonization and the coven behind them, they have plotted to bring in warfare right into the church, compromise unleash demonic ritual, give demonized objects. Uh, I have two one-hour sessions on this on the main website. We've written about it in the book. Uh, we, uh, I will say that the church is, um, I, this, is the, this is what, it does bug me too. Because um, I, I believe if we're really filled with the scripture, the word of God, and know what it says, in the vast warning about spiritual warfare and uh, what's coming and what the prophetic revelation says about how it will ramp up and more will come and more will come and the counterfeit will be all over the place. Well, then we should be spiritually acute. We should know. But I will say that these folks are the most lethally trained to operate in stealth to come in, their goal is to pull the wool over, and I've seen them do damage. I've watched them bring down pastoral leadership. We've been called to places everywhere, guns, and we have, uh, whether California, whether Maine, whether Ohio, whether Indiana, um, there's a vast danger. And so in that two, and I'm trying to answer you in five minutes here, in the two-hour segment we did, I, I would like to do another five hours just on this subject. In the two-hour sessions that we and they're free on the web um it lists who they are why and then the, their mode of operation we learn they have a specific mode of operation in how they will 
um, come in and begin to do that process um, and then bring destruction and bring warfare and bring targeted ritual release of demons against pastors, leaders, congregations, etc. And uh, as long as they get to do that, it's going to bring some harm. Uh, some real devastating harm. And uh, so my word would be to pastors and leaders, please understand, we have experientially been on the field with this, engaging really highly trained, purposely planted, infiltrated, you know, Satanists, um, not like popular Satanists, but the, but more, I mean, more the real thing, like in Ezekiel chapter 8, where they're really hidden, and uh, but they're really operative, and uh, they have really, really uh, have had a coordinated release um, to plant and, and, to, uh, and to bring, uh, to test the church, to bring harm, to bring warfare uh, right into the church and, and cause some harm. Yeah, that's incredible. I, it's, it's, I think it's something that I sort of sense as well, um, just spiritually. There's this level of... Uh, a little bit of, um, I guess you can call it like a brave new world sort of, oh, everything's fine sort of mentality. And, um, I, you know, when it just perked, uh, it just had a, a thought come to me when you mentioned, um, you know, possibly giving demonized objects and things like that. Um, <laughs> ironically, our, our offering boxes that we have, we don't have offering baskets at our church. We have boxes just sort of uh, set you know, at the different uh, doors to go into the uh, main uh, sanctuary, but they're in the shape of obelisks. And <laughs> I just remember the first time I saw them and, and you know, uh, or first time I saw them and noticed them after starting to learn a lot about the Freemasons and, you know, the occult and all this stuff, just thinking, why, why would they be in the shape of obelisks out of all the shapes you can have an offering box? Um, but anyway, that's just a side note, but, uh, we have that issue too. I mean, you got to understand deacons and elders all across the land in the traditional mainline churches. You know, I just came, I came from one, we're going to one where they, you know, they say, oh, our deacons have, uh, we're, they're masons. And, and there is a, a certain level of them wanting to have their folks in too. That's a whole nother, another story though. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, the speculation that I've had with discussion with Basil is that it's, it's possible that it's sort of a, um, you know, a symbolic gesture towards anyone who might be in some of these groups if they walk into this church. Oh, okay, we know that it's uh, under quote unquote a certain authority. Um, but uh, uh, Russ, for the sake of time, uh, where can we uh, find your stuff and uh, listen to your radio show and things like that? Everything we have is found on shatterthedarkness.net, www.shatterthedarkness.net. If you go there, it is a busy site. It's like a library in a sense. Take your time. You'll see where it says live radio broadcast. You go straight down. It'll Monday through Friday, 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We're on live every day uh, during the week. We have a late night Wednesday night show we do. And then to the left side of that website, it'll say free training courses. And there's probably about 600 hours up on there of just the, the local courses that I've taught. And uh, we've simply put them up as a course on the web. And uh, they're all, all of those things, everything is free. Uh, we've seen uh, with the courses and the live stuff downloaded in 110 countries, almost 5 million 
um, downloads around the world. And we're glad for that. Um, and we're trying to put up more of everything we've got to put up there and, and give it away. And um, so that's all we can say. Shatterthedarkness.net, conference material, information, our background information. Uh, take your time on the site because it's got a, a whole lot of stuff on it. Very cool. Well, thank you so much, Russ, for your time. And uh, thank you guys for listening again to another episode of Canary Cry Radio. Check us out again, and hopefully Basil will be back next time. So take care. Thanks. Thank you for listening to this episode of Canary Cry Radio. The show notes for this episode and many others are available at canarycryradio.com. Make sure to connect and like our Facebook page at facebook.com slash canarycryradio. Follow us on Twitter at canarycryradio. If you would like to share the show in video format, you can find us on YouTube by searching Canary Cry Radio. Review us on iTunes with five stars and give us a thumbs up on stumbleupon.com. We would like to thank those of you who have given us your support, prayers, and donations. If you would like to join us and support Canary Cry Radio financially, you could do so by visiting canarycryradio.com and clicking the support tab. Thanks again for listening, and until next time, remember to think outside the cage.